Good morning. Good morning. Make sure everybody's awake. It's cold out there today. This is not Alabama weather, is it? What's the temperature down in the south? Anybody know? 46? It's in the 50s, I think, in Millbrook, or 40s. So coming this far up north, this has been a change for me. I mean, uh, coming up, uh, uh, last week I was in Sioux City, Iowa. And uh, that's when the, the day I was traveling, when that big snowstorm kind of hit, coming across, they call it a Storm Titan, I think was what it's called. It, it kind of separated the south between the north, as far as Tennessee, Arkansas, places like that. I did find it, it said when I got to Memphis, Tennessee, but there's you go over the bridge and it becomes Arkansas. Why right when you go over the bridge, all of a sudden there's ice and snow just right over the bridge about like that. And I had that went about 10 minutes and I had to find a way to turn back. They said all the roads are closed. Got stuck on uh, uh, 40, I think, Interstate 40, until about 2 o'clock in the morning before I could get back to a hotel. <laughs> so this is very different for me. I was born in Florida, grew up in Alabama, and uh, there was, so I think my car said 9 degrees this morning. And for y'all, that's warm. <laughs> I think uh, I said about a few weeks ago it was minus. I just... Thank God some people are born in Florida. <laughs> but I really, uh, I'm sorry my wife couldn't be here with me today. Uh, top button or the oh, bottom button? Okay, there. Sorry my wife couldn't be with me. Uh, each February, my wife and I, we come out of China to uh, take a uh, visit from colleges, Pensacola Christian College, to take a team into China. And so she had to be back much earlier than I to take care of the team. We've got several people in China that are with us right now. But this is my wife, uh, Cindy, and uh, our children grew up in China, but they're married and already have their own homes here in the States. We're on that island of Hainan, right there in the capital city, Haikou. That's in the South China Sea, Philippines, Taiwan, off to the side. And so uh, you know, God's blessed. For 20 years, we've been on this little island. And of course, it'd be like pretty much like putting your finger on Cuba on this side of the world, on the southern tip of Florida. And just coming all the way around, and that'd be where we're at. And so, it's, you know, I think our winter there, usually about the lowest it gets, 48, 49, 50. Does anybody want to come visit us and enjoy some? <laughs> Very nice there, but uh, uh, it's, it's a blessing to, to be in China. Oh, hit the wrong button, down button. I remember down button. When you think about missions, a lot of times we just think about names. We're thinking about countries' names, and you got to realize missions is more than just, you know, America, Russia, China, you know, you start naming all these places. and But, you know, missions is more than just a name of a country. It's more than just a name of a place. It's about people. Uh, you've got missions here, you know, your neighbors, your community, and uh, the cities around you. So when you think about missions, don't just get stuck on names. Uh, you know, God gave the command to go to all the world. And so the, the, the commandment, what we need to start really seeing is, you know, if we want missions to change, we got to see missions differently and realize he just said go. And a lot of times, for whatever reasons, we don't go, we stop or we sit. You know, so in your heart, now what are you doing to go to get the gospel out? And you always begin here before you think about there. So think about yourself and missions. What am I doing to go that other people might know? So missions, you know, again, it's more than just names. 
If you think about China, the size of it is about six, almost six million miles in uh, uh, area. Which is bigger, China or America? What do you think? China? Believe it or not, America's just a little bigger. America's right at six million. So we're a little bit bigger. The northern parts up here is very cold, just like here in the States. The southern part, this is, you know, pretty much like, you know, Florida and places like that. So they got the extremes, ice up here and muggy, mugginess down here. Out west over here is the, the Himalayas where we have our Rockies. They have the Himalayas. Uh, our Shanghai, I mean, their Shanghai would be like our New York. Beijing would almost be like DC. And, but they don't have a coastal line here. This is all the other countries here, Mongolia up here. So when you think about the country size, it's, you know, uh, many things are similar. You think about population, now here's the big change. You, we've got, I mean, just, uh, they got one billion people more than us. We're just over 308 million people. So when you think about population, you're talking about wall-to-wall people. Imagine adding one billion people to our borders. Can you, what's the population of Canada? Uh, you can put America and Canada together and we still don't even come close to what they have. You know, so that's one fifth of the world's population. Has anybody here been to China? Where? Hong Kong. You've been to China, you just don't know. You've been to Walmart, right? If you've been to Walmart, you've been to China. You know, everything's made in China. As you well know, your China's in the forefront of many things in history, I mean, many things in the news right now. America owes our debt to China right now. Uh, a lot of things. So when you think about population, you've got to think about China. God's blessed and I'm the president of the IEA. There's a, a placement service to bring teachers into China. Uh, you can't, I cannot go in openly as a missionary. I have to go in through education. So the platform of education gives me a chance to have access to the people. Uh, once a year, I've got to go to Beijing. When I go to Beijing, I've got a chance to uh, meet with the different officials there. This document here is very important. Everything in China is done with the red seal here. Uh, without that red seal, nothing can happen in China. And uh, But once a year, I'll go to Beijing, meet with the education people. It'll just be like going to their White House, which is great, the Great Hall of the People. And I'll meet uh, various people in the Foreign Expert Bureau or the Education Bureau. Uh, but years ago, uh, there's like 40 organization, and God's blessed, and I'm in the top 10 right now in, in China. Uh, different times, uh, we got a chance to meet with, uh, well, last year in August, this picture was made. We um, celebrated our 20 years there. Uh, this is the foreign affairs official for the province. They put on a big banquet for our, uh, me and my wife for our 20 years being in China. These are various education leaders that we've worked with throughout the past 20 years. Uh, all these people know I'm a Christian. But they accept that you're Christian, but they hate the word missionary. And I uh, take too much time to go on all the history of that. But uh, God's blessed and gave us special favor in the eyes of the people. Uh, this is like their White House, Great Hall of the People, where I'll visit uh, once a year. Uh, God blessed back in 2004, and I was able to win the National Friendship Award. I was brought into Beijing. And because of that, some other blessings happened. This is the Public Security Bureau. I'm not in trouble. They're not getting ready to arrest me. But <laughs> they gave me a green card. Now you look at that picture and tell me what looks the same or different. Does anything look different? Does that look like me? What does it look like? They gave me an Asian look. They pulled my eyes. They actually photoshopped it. They didn't want a true Westerner really, you know, having a green card. 
And so they actually pulled, but this is a, you know, a foreigner's permanent resident card that God's blessed. And, uh, when I go to China, I don't need a visa. I can walk in and out as often as I like. So God's doing some special things in missions. I like what I saw early this morning. There's a lot of things like Mennonites in Mexico. He was explaining it to me. See, I'm isolated over there. I don't get, you know, regular updates on what's happening except when I come home for a few weeks each year to recruit for our team. So it's great to hear what God's doing. Okay, the island that I'm, I'm on, it's just about two hours from north to south, 150 miles. It's a very tropical island, mountainous in this part here. Hainan is somewhat backwards compared to the rest of China, but we're on the, the city of Haikou. We've got churches over here in Wenchang, Chonghai. Uh, we have a church here, then and two here, get ready to start our next church in Haikou. It's a coastal city. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, fishing boats, a lot of activity with uh, fishing and agriculture. Uh, the downtown area is very modern. You know, a lot of people think of missions, always think about you going to the jungles, going to the places like that. That's not cities. I mean, like that for our city, it's a very modern city. Uh, everything in high coast straight up. Uh, they do have a mixture of old and new. Uh, this is the town, Wenchang, on the east coast where we went back in 93. Just recently, we've got some teachers there. This was some of the old Portuguese-style decorations, but the other side, they, they're cleaning things up. So you'll see some old stuff that was there before the Chairman Mao takeover that still, they want to keep this structured, but they, they're, they're doing their best to clean things up right now. Uh, we bring in teams from Pensacola Christian College. Uh, they're coming in for the summer. You, you know, you'd think they're coming to stay a little bit longer than one month, right? I mean, you look, you know, that, I mean, I, I say, you know, pack light, but girls, can you pack light? <laughs> so they brought all this stuff in and they're just staying for one month. But uh, we, we pick up the kids, we take them to the different schools, and they have a chance to minister through education. And this is our team last year that we had in China. Uh, she's there full-time. She graduated a few years back. You might remember Megan. Uh, I mean, Miranda, excuse me, Miranda. There's Megan. She's there with us full-time. Allison, Josh, and Laura, uh, Elizabeth, and uh, Molly's there with us right now. And this is Jack and Joy White, their family, and their children right here. So God's blessing. This is our summer team, and but many of these stay to teach a, a full year. Uh, so we provide a curriculum for our teachers to use, and our teachers actually go to the classroom and they're teaching conversational English. Now to have to ever reach a people, like I said, you have to have access to the people. And through education, we have access to the people. And uh, in time, the, all the students will begin to ask our teachers simple questions of curiosity you know are you a christian or why are you a christian and then lay those questions to turn to questions of interest and we show our teachers how to handle those questions my wife has a special phonetics course that we teach the chinese teachers and again you know if you establish your platform you can stay in china everybody says well is it not common is it not difficult is they like call themselves socialists now as long as you respect the purpose you're there for they will beg you to stay. Right now, they're afraid me and Cindy is going to leave. They don't want us to leave. They want us to stay. They know we're having church, but they choose not to see it. We have a saying in America, you know, turn a blind eye to something. Well, they don't say turn a blind eye. They said open one eye, close one eye. They see what we're doing with education, but they know what we're doing with church. This outweighs that. So they, they hope we keep doing these things and that we keep church in moderation in which we have, we don't overly push things, and, and uh, but God's blessed, and we've got several churches established, and yet the government knows it, but they appreciate uh, many things that my wife does with all the 
things of helping the teachers with phonetics. Uh, this is our minority team. When I say minority in China, there's many kinds of Chinese people. It's like the American word Indian. When you say the American Indians, how many different Indian groups are there? Anybody know? I heard there's over 400 Indian groups. I didn't realize there were that many. But in China, there's there's over 60 different kind of Chinese. The Han people are over 91% of the Chinese people, and uh, the other groups are the minority groups. So it would be like saying that, say, like American Cherokee is the majority, while all the other Indians would be the minorities. So uh, we have a chance to work with the minorities of Hainan, which is the Li people, Miao people, Hui people. And they, they look Chinese, they can speak Chinese, but they also speak a local dialect. But this is our minority team for last year. Uh, here's some of our classes where our teachers come in and uh, each one of the, the students that graduate our class, they, they receive a diploma that they have achievement. And this is some of our teachers working in one of the classrooms at the colleges there. Uh, this is the, the provincial workshop. This is the provincial leader of education. Between my wife and I, these are some of the our teachers that we had, and they're teaching the teachers from the rural countryside. The government will bring them in. So the more you work with the government or through the government, the more opportunities you will have to reach the people. Now, we don't get a chance to witness to each one of these, but God will bring certain ones to us at certain times, and we're allowed to, uh, you know, uh, witness to them. Uh, we had this is one of our teams that came in June. Uh, he was from Texas. He brought his hat. Everybody was just totally fascinated with the cowboy. Now, y'all got cowboys up here? No cowboys? No ranches? Yeah, yeah. You know, well, if you brought a hat like that, you'd be you'd, people would stop on the street just want to take a picture with you. And uh, so we had a great time. But this is the front gate of our school. Uh, again, the schools are very nice, very modern. It's not backwards, very green. Uh, when our students come, they're very excited about the, the atmosphere. Uh, Chinese food, how many like Chinese food? If you ever have real Chinese food, you'll never... It's just, I mean, real Chinese good. I mean, it's really... Have you been to China? Well, the, the, good, the good stuff or the weird stuff? Yeah, the good stuff. When you get the good stuff, it's... A, all of these, just they, our church members took our group out. Uh, her, her husband's not the pitch, but her husband's a lawyer. He took all of them out for a nice dinner. And the, the people just fall in love with uh, the Chinese food. Uh, here's our church here. Uh, God's blessed. And on a, on a Sunday morning, this is just one side to the right. This not seeing this next picture is to the left. Uh, we've been running over 50, 60 people in this. We have a what we'll call it a, a house church. Uh, we, we can't have a building like this. So all the people will come and into this three-bedroom apartment, and we're pretty much wall-to-wall right now. Uh, I talked to my wife just the other day. We found another apartment. We're going to split this group in half. And uh, we're not really in half, but three-fourths will stay, and a fourth will go out to another place, and we'll start another work with a small group from our main place. So a lot of these will be moving off to another place. This is our Sunday night people. On Sunday morning, we have one group. On Sunday night, we have a different group that will arrive. So on Sundays, uh, between the, the two places, uh, the two different service, Sunday morning and Sunday night, we are, we'll average over anywhere from 100 to 150 people on Sunday mornings. And so God's really blessed. And uh, we put on a, uh, we, a Christmas program this past Christmas. We rented a conference room at a local hotel, and we had over 200 people there from the, our different churches all over the island. And this is the group all together doing a Christmas program. Uh, we, uh, they were part, they did the full nativity scene, the, the birth of Jesus, 
That's Josh. He was dressed up like one of the Roman soldiers there. But the people really enjoyed our Christmas program that we did. Uh, once a year, we'll have a baptism service of all the people that made decisions. This is the ones that made decisions last year. Uh, this is a very special person, Mr. Xi. He is a government official, uh, Communist Party member. He got saved. Uh, he's worked in the provincial government. He's worked in private business right now. He thought when he left government with the private business that, you know, money would make him happy. It didn't make him happy. And he was searching for truth. Uh, this is uh, his wife here. Uh, they started uh, coming to church, and little by little, they uh, saw the need for salvation. They saw the need for the gospel. They got saved. Now I can't keep him out of church. He's in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night. He comes over to my house two times during the week in the mornings to study the Bible. He says he believes God's calling him to preach. So pray for Mr. She because he's got a way of reaching top officials that I would never have a chance to have contact with, yet he knows the cultural ways of doing it. Uh, this, this is kind of a funny thing. Uh, she's crying, uh, not because something bad happened. Well, I baptized him, it was okay, but when I took mom, we got a little kiddie pool, and I had a, I put mom down in the kiddie pool to baptize her. Uh, she didn't know what I was doing to mom. She got real, <laughs> what are you doing to my mom? <laughs> and so, but he's a, a PE teacher at her college. He's a kung fu master. He got into all the different things about, you know, spirit leading your body and all this kind of stuff. And but he saw the need for salvation. How the he called it ghost was haunting him by playing with the spirit world. And so God's blessed and gave us a good group of people that were saved last year. This is our Sunday night group. This is my pastor, Pastor Sanders, who came. He came for a twenty-year celebration last year and was there for our baptism service. Uh, this is our team in China right now. This is the, what God's blessed, and we've got about twenty folks there. And uh, it's just been amazing to see God raise up young people that will come and give a, will surrender a year or two years to the Lord. A lot of people think you have to be called to missions to be used in missions. I want you to think about it. You, everybody thinks you have to be called to missions. You know, we're telling young people, and upon graduating, and when you graduate, uh, you know, if you've got nothing really ready to accept a job here or there or something, you know, come and give one year to missions. And all these, most of these are education majors. They have education uh, with an elementary ed, a high school English or literature, and they're coming to teach one year in China. Uh, she's been for two summers, and after teaching two summers, she just finished her first term teaching. Uh, she started her second term. She said, you know, instead of just giving one year, I, I think I'll give two years. I want to stay another year. And same thing. Carol's been there five years. Molly's been there a year. She's been there five years. She's been there two years, two years. He's finished up his first year. And so uh, they've just arrived as a family. So God's blessing. There's a lot of young people that realize that they can give a, a year to the Lord or at least two years and not supposedly be called to missions. When the teams leave, he can remember the team. Uh, the Chinese people cry when you left. The Chinese people love it when you come. Uh, they'll come to the airport to say goodbye to everybody. And uh, a lot of tears are shed when as the foreigners are leaving. And uh, but they're very excited, and they, they they'll keep asking, "Are you coming back? Are you coming back? Please come back." And so this is one of our uh, shots at the airport of our teachers leaving, and they all had a great time. It's been a blessing to have these teachers there. Uh, this is Peter. He's one of our Sunday night preachers, and that's his wife. This is Mr. And Mrs. Palmer that helps us. He's been with us since 2001. He, uh, when he surrendered for the mission field, uh, he was uh, uh, already in his fifties. Uh, He's had neck surgery and back surgery. He's not one of the most healthy people in the world, but he's on the field even after having uh, two surgeries. He's got to be very careful that nobody bumps him and things. 
And uh, but God's really using him as a great help to our ministry there. This is Brian and his wife. They're pastoring a church on the east point of the island in Winchung. Uh, this is Simon that pastors with us there in Haiko. Uh, he travels down to another place after our Sunday morning service, and so he has a chance to preach. And I think when you met him, they was he married yet or just single? I don't remember. Or just the, yeah, this is Sharon. He he's been married. He's got two children now. So God's really blessed. Uh, we've just finished a, a rewrite of John and Romans. The, the Chinese Bible there is called the CUV, Chinese Union Version, which doesn't read anything like the Bible should read. There's many mistakes in the Chinese Bible. So we went through and did a rewrite of John and Romans. Uh, Bearing Precious Seed out of Milford, Ohio will be reprinting this. So God's really blessed. And so this is the Mills family that's in China. You know, just got to remember, you know, God wants us to go. And that's not just there, but also here. Uh, we've got a responsibility to carry the gospel to those who have never heard it before. Uh, turning your Bibles to Psalms. We'll take the rest of this time. And uh, I'm, different times I've, uh, Psalm 68, you know, we've talked about uh, missions in different churches and different things and uh, usually there's a few verses that's always kind of used in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but I wanted to do something different this year when I came home. And, and you know, missions is something, it's not unique. It's not something new. A lot of times we look at missions like, well, you know, I don't, it's not been happening around here, it's not around there, or we you look at the word, but a lot of times maybe even just the word missions can even scare a person. It shouldn't do that. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to take the word missions itself in each letter, we're going to talk about a special word that will go along with it. Now, for the you know, what's the first letter of missions? M. Okay, let's take the letter M, and and it's going to be the word move you. Missions should move you. Now, just kind of think about these things. So, you know, make it, get your pen out, maybe write some notes. But missions should move you. Know some things moved God. Who was the first missionary? Now we talk about all these different countries of who went where and who's done what. Have you ever thought about who the first missionary was? Paul, Jesus Christ. There's something. If you go back in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, who came to Adam? Remember, it says the the voice of the Lord come walking in the garden. Adam, where art thou? Adam, where art thou? What if that voice had never came to Adam? Immediately when man sinned, God was present. Who was the voice? Was it the Father? Was it the Son? Which one? Probably the Father. Who, now, now, who sent the Son? The Father sent Jesus Christ. And He was a missionary to the world, of course. But really, missions begin way back there in Genesis. Back there in the garden when Adam and Eve, God warned Adam and Eve not to eat of that tree. They ate the tree, and of course they hid themselves. And then Adam, where art thou? You know, God came looking for man right there in the very beginning in your book of Genesis. So a lot of times when we talk to the Chinese people, we show them some stuff right there at the very beginning in Genesis because they've got to understand what happened in the beginning. A lot of times we'll jump 4,000 years of history and go right to some things there in the gospel, which is fine for those who had some type of foundation in Christianity, for those who've had no foundation, you have to begin in Genesis. 
So way back there in Genesis, you have missions. God was moved to come to find Adam when Adam had sinned. Now, what if God had not come? Think about that. You know, God cared enough about his creation. You know, God always cares about us, and we sometimes forget that. Now, we get looking at the world today. Are you happy with what's happening in the world today? Go ahead, yes or no? What's the problem? The world has drifted away from God. It's not until we return to God as a nation, as a people, as a country, however you want to say it. If there's no return to God, i got bad news for you. Things are going to get worse. Things cannot get better until people come back to God, return to God. If there's no return to God, there will be no blessings. Blessings come from one place. Blessings come from above. If we don't follow God's ways and God's laws, then God has to send judgment. Judgment will come. Just as God judged Israel for falling away from them, God would judge America for falling away from him. So we've got to realize some things about missions. God moves you. God himself, he set the example. Way back there in the garden in Genesis, he set the example. He came looking for Adam. In the New Testament, when it was time to come to his people, he sent his only begotten son. You know, that was very important for us to realize. God does some things. So look at Psalm 68. Look at verse 8. Psalm 68, 8 said, The earth shook, the heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Notice it says it says it was moved. Sinai itself was moved. You know, when you think about when God does something, when God gets into a movement, God gets the moving thing, God does great things. As I've seen what Brother uh, was doing this morning and showing all the previous missionaries that came, I saw how God was moving in this place and that place, Mexico, Peru, uh, the, the, doing some things in uh, Ireland and doing some things in these other places. But one thing that really struck my interest was when they said Mennonites in Mexico. I just thought that was, do what? Mennonites in Mexico, I mean, Mexicans are Mennonites? He said, no, there are whole Mennonite communities down there in Mexico. You know, see, but you know, and there's missionaries going there to carry the gospel to them. And they speak, you said, what kind of German? Low. What's low? Low, yellow. Yellow, low, low German. I've never heard that. <laughs> okay, you know, that's something new. So I get excited about hearing about that. You know, God's moving in the lives of people. And you see God move people to Peru. See God move people to the, even the Mennonites that are German in Mexico. That's just amazing. You know, German-speaking Mennonites in Mexico. You know, so God is a mover. He likes to move things. Now, when you read this verse in this uh, chapter, this verse here in, in Psalms, of course, this is what happened back there in the book of Exodus when God led the people out of Egypt and he led them to Mount Sinai there at the mount. Okay, that's when God moved. But, you know, a lot of people think, well, didn't God move there in Egypt? No, God didn't move there in Egypt. God moved them out of Egypt. There was a movement away from there. That's when there was part of the world. Yes, they saw miracle after miracle. How many of y'all saw the Ten Commandments, the movie Ten Commandments? Was it cool? Was it? I mean, that's nice, isn't it? I mean, you see what God's doing, but you know, the greatest part of when God manifested Himself is when they got to Mount Sinai and the presence of God, and then the mountain shook and they saw the glory of God. That's when God moved. So there's something about a movement from when you leave one thing and you get to another place, and you get to the place where God will have you. That's where the presence of God is, and you'll see God move, and God will move in your life. You know, throughout the years. Uh, I never would have thought I'd be called to be a missionary. 
I uh, was called to preach. I knew I was called to preach when I was a, a young airman in the Air Force back in 1979. I was a sergeant in the Air Force. A guy invited me to a church. I got me and my wife had got married. We had started a little small church. It was really a dead church. Not much happening. Me and my wife dropped out of church and started becoming too worldly. And then one day a sergeant walked in my office. Any prior service military here? Anybody in the military? What branch? Navy. Navy. Uh oh. Air Force and Army. I've got, so we got all branches. Any Marines? No Marines? Okay. That's part of the Navy. But uh, I was in the Air Force at the time. A sergeant came into my desk. He was having a revival. He said, Sergeant Mills, I would like to invite you to church tonight. And uh, we're having a revival service. And I just kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm maybe busy. And I you know, want to kind of get out of the office and left. And I said, I'll call my wife. I'll let you know. Well, about an hour later, he come by my office and said, uh, did you call your wife? I said, uh, no. He said, there's a phone right there. Was he being pushy? I'm glad he did. And so I picked the phone up. And just, y'all remember those, don't you? Hey, honey. Uh, guy wants to come to church tonight. You busy? He said, oh, no, let's go. I guess we'll go. <laughs> you know what? Master Sergeant Bell talked to me about coming to church. Something moved him. That changed my life. We went to church. The church just like this. God started moving in my life. We started seeing things, hearing things that we never heard before. And we joined a church. A few years later, God called me to preach. I, it scared me to death. I said, you know, what is this, God? Left the Air Force. That was a big move for me and my family. I had already made staff sergeant. I was selected to go to Washington, D.C. to work in the White House. I uh, really enjoyed the military life. So for me to just step out of the Air Force was a big challenge. I stepped out, went to Bible school. I had a chance to drive a truck to work my way through Bible school. At the end of that time, uh, some things happened. Uh, I was working my family business. My dad died. And I had a chance to uh, do some different struggles there, a chance to get into the National Guard. I was able to become a full-time Army National Guards person. I got to work in education. I finished school, but God called me to preach in the jails, the prisons. I had a juvenile facility that I would preach at. And really, I thought God would give me 20 years to retire in the military, maybe become a full-time chaplain at the jails and or the juvenile facilities. Uh, we used to have juveniles being saved each week in large numbers. And my heart was there. But I, little did I know God was using the military and the juvenile chaplain thing to prepare me for China. Uh, the job I had in, in the military was taking care of all the education requirements of the uh, the National Guard people for the state of Alabama. I had over 60 schools in the state of Alabama with thousands of students enrolled in it. And now that once I got some training in that, God just used that. It was like a lateral transfer from the military to being a full-time soldier for the Lord. And I'm doing some of the same things that I've always done in the military just for a different reason. So God used that military life to move in my life. God used the things about that church to move in my life. And next thing I know, I moved from Air Force to Army, then Army to China. You know, God will move. God will bless. You know, will you allow God to move in your life? You've got to allow Him to move in your life. And the only way He will move in your life is for you to draw nigh unto Him. When you draw nigh unto God, God will draw nigh unto you. But you've got to be willing 
All right, God, here am I. Will you use me? Here am I. Will you send me? That's what we're telling these young people. If you want God to move in your life, if you want to see God's hand in your life, you've got to be willing to surrender your life and let him make use of you. So these young people, they'll come for the summer and they'll work and see and touch, smell, you know, realize everything about China. When the summer's over, they're excited. They come back. They share with the other students what God's done in their life. And a lot of them contact me and say, hey, you know, upon graduation, Mr. Miller, I'd like to come back to China and give a year to the Lord. You know, that, that's exciting. This year, we've got several new uh, couples, I mean, several new students that will be coming this year. We've got one family in Tennessee. The man's got two daughters, both graduating at the same time. Both of his daughters are coming to China to give one year to the Lord. Now, that's special, folks. God's moved in their life. God can move in your life. You've got to willing to let God make a movement in your life to serve Him. And it begins always with something here first before you can do something there later. Now, there can be anywhere. I'd like to hear another story of Mennonites in Mexico, but something different from that. Is there something strange like that in another country? It's not Mennonites, but... I mean, huh? Yes, I'm sure there are. But hey, God can take you and that there can be who knows what. But will you allow God to move in your life? You've got to open your heart to God and get our eyes off Egypt here. The, the world, that's what Israel's problem was when they was in the Ten Commandments, those movie there. They got stuck there in Egypt, happy with what they had there. They was fed up with all those being a slave there and having to serve the people, but yet they was too content there to leave. You know, if you let God move you here in your heart, you will have a there someday. And it's going to be something special like some of these different stories you'll hear throughout these next few days. So the first thing about missions is God moves you. God will move you. I, I remember God moved me to that first prison to preach, the first jail to preach, the first juvenile place to preach in, in, in the country of China. So it's a blessing. I turn to Acts 11. Just start thinking about I. Oh, when you uh, think about missions, you got to think about your identification. 1126. Acts 11, verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And disciples were called, what? Christians first in Antioch. You know what? They was called Christians. Are you called a Christian? Now, I'm saying you call yourself. What do other people call you? Now, think about that. What do other people call you? Now, I'm talking about do they call you a Baptist? Do they call you this or that? Do they call you a Christian? Now, when I was in the military, I was a master sergeant on general staff. There's nine ranks for the enlisted. I was E8, master sergeant, sitting in the sergeant major's position. I got it blessed, and I'd made master sergeant less than 14 years. Man, I just enjoyed that military line. Everybody knew who Sergeant Mills was. When you work on general staff, you get calls from all the units all over the state, so I'm pretty well known. But they did, they knew me not just as Sergeant Mills. They knew around Sergeant Mills you didn't cuss. They knew Sergeant Mills was a Christian. They knew you didn't tell dirty jokes around Sergeant Mills. Now, I didn't go around witnessing on 
the job, per se, because I had work to do, but they knew who I was. I love to hear, let me ask you two Navy guys, did people in the Navy curse? They curse like a sailor, like they don't say it. Yeah? Same thing in the Air Force, same thing in the Army. I love to hear them curse. You say, you're crazy. No, because when they'd curse, I would say something back. I'd hear them say, oh, they'd, they'd be hard. Oh, you just go to hell. I said, no, I want you to tell them to go to heaven. It's much better. And I'd walk off. Then, why is telling someone to go to heaven would stop them and you get this stare? You know, God opens doors for you to identify who you are every day. When you hear somebody saying something bad, saying something ugly, doing something bad, that's your chance to be a witness. If you want to be like this, and the disciples are called Christians first in, what's the name of the town? Huh? Rockford? Buffalo, I mean, Buffalo. You've got to do something. When you hear somebody doing something, saying something wrong, well, if you're a Christian, stand up. Say something. You don't have to preach to them. You say, just find a different way to take what they've said and use it. And you'd be surprised people are waiting for somebody like you or I to stand up and do something. You've got to be identifiable. You, they got to know that, now the world trains you right now. Well, Christians is just for Sunday. Don't ever think that way, folks. That's what's wrong with America today. We've regulated Christianity to one day of the week. That's why America is dying and going to hell right now because we've made it a Sunday-only activity. Monday through Saturday, we have to be excited about what we know about Jesus, what we know about Christ. The disciples, those 12 disciples, turned the world upside down. We can do the same thing today, but we've got to get excited about our faith. We've got to get excited about who we are identified with. You don't have to preach a big message to anybody. When you hear somebody say something, say something back. Don't sit there and explain it. Just walk off. You say, I'm going to heaven. We'll go to heaven. Heaven's nicer. Walk off. And after years of weeks and months of doing that, as years went by, when people was in trouble, when people had difficulties, I'd have an old knock at my office door. Start Mills. Can I ask you a question? I said, yes, come in. You know, the other day you said, what does that mean? I said, oh, so, I said, give me the context of your question. What do you mean, what does it mean? Well, you mean, can a person know they can go to heaven? I said, sure. Let me show you. You know, people just wait for somebody to stand up, be different, to be a light. It's not difficult to be a light. You don't have to be a theologian. Anybody can be a light. When you see and hear something wrong, don't be silent. You're not, you're saved to serve, not saved to be silent. Now everything that comes across the news today, you know, oh, you can't, you know, Christianity, you know, separation, church and state, oh, that's a bunch of hogwash. That stuff's not in the Constitution. That stuff, not, none of that stuff's there. You've got a command to carry the gospel out. If we'll go back to doing what was natural, what our forefathers done, America will return to what's natural. We won't be off to the left. It's not a left, right. It's just what's the right way as far as the path. And God lays out the path before us, and we get on that path, there will be blessings. And God will take care of the left and the right. But we got to be on God's path. So God moves you. 
God will move you for the gospel. But you've got to be open. God, can you use me? God, I want to be used. And if you'll do that, God will start using you. You've got to be identified. People's got to know I'm a Christian and not just a Sunday-only Christian. If America doesn't get away from that, America won't be anymore. There's no such thing as a Sunday-only Christian. Sunday, you get your battery charged. Monday, okay, world, let's go. Tuesday, let's go. Wednesday, midweek service is Wednesday. Okay, Tuesday night, Tuesday, get recharged. Then Wednesday, Thursday, you start getting low. Hey, Pastor Ben, tell me something. Then Saturday, and then Sunday, I'm back to get recharged. So I need a charging. Well, we had this morning learning all this stuff by all these different missionaries. Man, that really charged my battery. I need him to preach at me tonight. I need to hear some things tonight. You know, so there's things about you are identified. Everybody thinks missionaries are just special people. Wrong. Was Peter a special person? The apostle Peter? Tell me something Peter did. Somebody tell me something. Who denied the Lord three times? Is that special? You know, yes, your life's supposed to be different. It's supposed to be prepared. But you look at some of the apostles in their lives, they want these glowing examples of everything being perfect. You know, don't sit there and think missionaries are super special people. I'm a man just like anybody else. He's a man just like anybody else. We've got the same fights that you have. We've got to prepare ourselves and warn ourselves and protect ourselves. It's a daily thing. I have not arrived. Have you arrived, Pastor? Yes, have you arrived? We don't arrive until we get that glorified body. That's when I arrive when I'm in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've arrived. But you know what? You've got to be identified. You've got to daily put on that armor of God and there's a fight. Now, if God was to reveal your armor, how many clinks or dinks would be in it? A lot of times we keep our armor all shined up, but it's never seen battle. When your armor, when you've been in a battle, you're going to know it. Now, I'm kind of glad the military, we got M16, I can shoot you from 100 yards away. I don't know if I really want to get in hand-to-hand battles like they did in the Old Testament. But you know what? The spiritual line, there's no there's saying shoot the devil from a distance. There's going to be some daily battles when you meet the flesh, you meet the enemy, you meet the How's your armor holding up? Has it got little dents in it where you had battles with things? Or are you off the side sitting and kind of hiding behind a wall? You've got to be prepared for battle. So things identifies you. The missions move you. The first S turned to Titus 2. Titus 2. Verse 13. It says, Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
But think about looking. What are you looking for? Today, the world is no longer looking for Jesus to come. They're looking for everything but Jesus. They're looking for some kind of hope. It's, it's, no, it's not a coincidence that Obama keeps talking about hope and change. He's wanting our hope and change to be on something here and not there. We've got to be looking for that hope. There's things that we've got to be looking for, that blessed hope, that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If God appeared today, would you be ready? Or would you be surprised? If God appeared today, how many of your family members would be left? How many of your friends would be left? See, the world, that used to be a common thing, you know, looking... That was the talk. That was, you know, man, soon Jesus is coming again. Soon he's coming back. When's the last time you heard someone talk about looking for that blessed hope? People are not looking like they used to. Looking is a very important thing. We've got to be looking for the Savior. We live not for ourselves, but we should be living for the Savior who died and gave himself for us. The world is no longer looking. They're looking at self. What do I need? Everything about today is, well, I need this, and somebody should do this for me. If somebody's not doing this for me, then this ain't right. It's everything's me, 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 society. No. Looking for that blessed hope. See, I'm looking, I'm realizing Jesus is coming soon. You say, well, it's been a while since he's come. That's 2,000 years ago. Let me ask you something. How long is eternity? You say, that's forever. If Jesus was to come back today or even a hundred years later, what was 2,000 years compared to eternity? Not even that. See, we, we get tired of waiting in our little feeble minds of thinking about stuff. Well, you know, it's done been 2,000 years, Brother Mills, Brother Jessup, you know, Brother Jamin, you know, if he ain't come back now, he ain't coming back. What's 2,000 years? God's got a plan. He knows what he's doing. See, we think we've got to understand everything about what, why God does something or why he doesn't do something. How many parents are here? How many, you got children? Raise your hand. When your children ask you a question, do you explain everything to them? Or you just tell them yes or no? You get all these why, well, dad, why this? No, just, just do it. You know. We understand that with our children. We understand our parents did that to us, but yet we want God to explain everything to us in a way that's acceptable for us, not Him. Are you looking? Looking for that blessed hope, glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm looking. When you're looking for something, people know you're expecting something. See, I'm always looking for an opportunity. I like opportunities. I like to give out tracts. I like to invite people to church. I like to tell people about Jesus. I'm looking for opportunity. This week, you had opportunities. How many opportunities were missed because you were not looking? Now, only you can answer that. How many opportunities were missed because you were not looking? Or you let the world tell you, you know, you need to be quiet. The next S is, uh, turn to Romans 8. Is the word sending. Romans 8 3. Romans 8 3. 
You know, missions is about God moving in your life, about you being identified. It's about the Savior, and it's about sending. That's the second S, sending. Romans 8, 3, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. God sending His own Son. Now, God could have sent an angel. He could have sent Gabriel. He could have sent Michael. He could have sent somebody else. He didn't. He sent his only son. Now you need to really consider that. A lot of times we talk about the Christmas story. We talk about Easter. But it just becomes words with no meaning. A lot of times we say the word love, but we don't define love. We say the word heaven, but we don't define heaven. We say the word hell, but we... If we really truly define those words, I think our lives will change, but we don't define those words that become just nebulous. They just become just like emptiness. We can say love and there's nothing there. We can say heaven and we have no thought. We can say hell and there's no fear. Why can we say those words and nothing registers in our mind or in our heart? Every time I was wearing that uniform and I'd hear one of them soldiers get angry, he's oh, hell. I said, oh, heaven. They'd look at me. Look forward to the next day you hear somebody holler something and do the opposite. And watch the look you'll get. Guys, the Minnesotians curse. Yes or no? Everybody loud now. Let me hear you. Yes or no? All right. Next time someone hollers the hell word, you holler what? Do it and watch. You get you'll be it'd be so fun that you you'll be looking for people to say it. Then that day's oh nobody cursed today. Too bad. I'm serious. They wouldn't curse around me. I kept saying, well, somebody says something. They got to open the door for me to do something today. And all I did was just say heaven. See, God gives you opportunities. Are you looking for it? Now, if God sent His Son, that's important. We've got to realize that. You know, For what the law could not, is weak through the flesh. God sent in His own Son. And He sent His Son to us. That's missions. That's God moving. That's God being identifiable. That's things about, you know, the Savior. All right? God sent me to the prisons, to the jails. I can tell you story after story of preaching in the prisons where people had hate, devil tattooed on their knuckles. They had one guy had, you know, hell all across his brow. And I watched him cry like a baby and get saved. You know, God sent me to the prisons and preach. And those people, I've got to, you know, uh, audience there, they, they, you know, they got nowhere else to go on Sunday. Well, you know, why not come to church? You know, what? man, watch these men get saved. Just tears roll down their eyes, and they'll say, "Well, Mr. Mills, why didn't someone tell me that when I was young? Why didn't somebody come to me and let me know about the Savior? Why did somebody send you now and not before?" And I always, I, I tell them every time the truth. I say, "The church failed you. The church has failed you." The church people have got content with what they've got and not looking for others to, you know, tell them. I said, but you know what? You know what it's like to be here and not here. Now, how many folks out there in, the, in this facility can hear because of you? 
And I've watched that guy with tears in his eyes said, I'll bring somebody next week. And he did. He said, I want you to meet my friend. I'll, Mr. Mills, can you tell him about Jesus? He's hurting just like me. Hell, hell, I mean, all kind of stuff, you know, tears coming down their eyes. You know, people out there are hurt. They need to know about the Savior and why God sent His only Son to save sinful flesh. It's an easy topic to talk about. It's not embarrassing. You should never be embarrassed of Jesus. Don't be embarrassed of Jesus. Was He embarrassed of you when He hung on the cross? He wasn't embarrassed of me. That was an amazing thing what He did to come and die for me. It's an amazing thing what He's done to send me to different places to preach the gospel. It's an amazing thing for me to be up here in Minnesota. Nine degrees. I never would have dreamed of being up here. But you know what? Wherever you go, people are people. You're not different from Floridians. You might not like this next name. You're not different from Alabamians. You're people. God said He fashioned in Psalms, He fashioned their souls alive. We look at the exterior. We worry about the exterior, but God fashioned their hearts alike, says the psalm. Each one of us got the same needs in the Lord. Missions is whether or not God can move you. It's not just pictures. It's not just names of countries. Will you allow God to move you? That might be toward your neighbor. That might be toward your family member. God can use you and move you, but you've got to be open for God to move you. If you do that, you'll start seeing some identification with yourself. And then you'll start seeing the Savior in different ways, and God will begin to send you to other places. It would be very easy for a lot of you to have a backyard Bible study in your neighborhood. There's a, I don't know if you've heard the backyard Bible study materials, and I'll tell him about it. A neighborhood backyard Bible study is a great thing to have in a place like this. God can use you. Will you allow God to move you and send you somewhere here? Pastor.